0: Welcome to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm Coach Mark Bottenhorn, and I'm joined by ultra endurance athlete, my friend, my training partner, Arthur Blue. And our episodes touch on a variety of topics, including performance, fitness, nutrition, and mental health, as well as mindset. If you're here, we're happy you're here. We're happy that you found us. Now let's dive in to this week's episode. Take it through. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mark Bonhorn, and this is another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm sitting by with co-host Arthur Blue, and we have a hey. special guest on the podcast today. Arthur, first of all, what's going on, man? Hey, what's
1: up, brother? How are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well. Just two days out from the race, so I'm getting a little bit... I've been antsy kind of all week, but uh, I'm fired up today because we have a special guest on the podcast, someone who I'm super excited about. So, everybody, uh, we got... Don, how do we say your last name, Don? While, while you're on here, because I can never <laughs> figure it out. Don, what's going on, bro?
2: I take I take all sorts of different variations, <laughs> but it's uh, it's Reichelt. We'll go with that.
0: Don Reichelt. So for those of you, uh, most of most of our listeners probably know who Don is, but for those who don't, uh, Don is a mountain ultra trail runner from Colorado who owns a staggering thirteen sixteen PR in hundred mile. He has three separate treadmill world records, which is insane um podiums at races that you might have heard of like Badwater, uh first place at Coldwater water rumble uh, many times salt flat 50k lean horse 100 and many 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 more so i don't want to spoil it too much we'll let him get into it but don what's going on man happy to have you on the podcast
2: yeah i'm stoked guys i uh i've had a full day i've had some uh Awesome intervals up here in Colorado today. Then I had some awesome strength session after that. So, uh, yeah, the body is ready. Now we're going to work out the mind a little bit tonight.
1: Nice. What what uh, what part of Colorado are you in, Don?
2: Yeah, so I'm in a, a very small town called Fair Play, Colorado. Um, everybody on this call or on this call, on this podcast that's listening uh, knows of Fair Play, whether they know it or not, because it is more famously known as South Park. Um, so if you've seen the cartoon South park, I literally live there.
1: Nice. Nice. Is it uh close, close to the animation?
2: <laughs> it is not. <laughs> um, the old, there, there's an old ghost town in the middle of town. That's like a museum that kind of has bits and pieces. that's similar, but no, it's a, it's a cool little community. We're up here at my house is at 9,600 feet. Uh, we're way up here high in the mountains. So, um, if you boys ever want to do a real track workout, come up here. Our track sits exactly at 10,000 feet.
1: I'm actually gonna have to probably take you up on that. I'm doing Leadville uh, this year, so yeah, man. I am
2: as the crow flies, 20 miles to Leadville, uh, just on the other side of Mosquito Pass. So, um, come, you know, come hang out. We'll do a training weekend up here.
1: Nice, and Mark will be out there pacing me, so we'll be good to go. Awesome. I will
0: will be there. If you ever want to do a real track workout with us, we're sitting at 521 (laughs) feet above sea level here in in Dallas. (laughs) You come in
1: the summer, right?
0: Yeah. It'll be 119 degrees on the track though.
1: So.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was like 12 degrees with 40 mile an hour winds today. On my, uh, on my workout
0: <laughs> we, give you, we give you credit. Um, so yeah, so let's, I, I kind of want to jump on in because we have, we'll talk all day. If I don't, if I don't get moving on this, because I'm, I, I'm so fascinated by you, Don, for a lot of reasons, but first, why don't we, Why don't we talk about how you got into ultra running? And I know this; I've listened to several podcasts with you on. I know your whole story. I've talked to you a bunch, but but I want to, for the listeners, I want to know how you got into ultra running.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll back it up um, a fair amount. So I actually ran in I ran in high school, and I wasn't a good runner. I was a decent athlete, not a good runner. Um, I, baseball was my passion back then, but I did some did some running in high school. I never never broke twenty minutes in a five k in high school. Had a couple of decent track runs, but that was about it. Um, really hated my coaches, so didn't ever think running was something I wanted to do. Went to college, wanted some kind of sport, something. So I actually walked onto to the rowing team, uh, at university of Iowa. Uh, it was a supported club team, but I rode for four years and then I graduated and got fat, didn't have the team outlet, didn't have workouts, didn't have anything competitive and put on, I rode at 160 pounds and I remember weighing it at 199.8 pounds. And that was like the, uh, <laughs> like, uh, something's got to change moment. And so I, um, actually bought a bike, I had a friend that was doing some biking, got into biking. And then, uh, my buddy's like, Hey man, you should do a triathlon. And I said, okay, but I saw this show on this thing called an Ironman and we should just like jump right in boys. I didn't even know how to swim. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. Um, I was a fat dude with a bike that, uh, wanted to do it. So I, um, ended up doing three Ironman races uh, on a, on kind of a whim and then was training for my fourth, but I had just moved to Boulder, Colorado, which is like the most beautiful place in the world. Um, If you've never been, um, you guys will be there uh, to some degree. And I was training for my fourth Ironman and I was like, God, I just moved. I I, I was living in Chicago and I moved to Boulder and I was riding and running on the roads to train for an Ironman. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And so I kind of just had this like mini meltdown in the water one day of, I don't want to do this anymore. I sold all my triathlon stuff overnight. And this coincided with a buddy of mine that was doing the Leadville 100. And I said, dude, like, I want to pace you. I don't know what this is, but I want to pace you at this thing. And, uh, back then, um, Arthur, you're going to find this out the hard way, but, uh, back then you could actually have a pacer from Winfield up over Hope pass on the way back. You can't anymore, which is makes it, Mentally, this is where you're going to discover how mentally hard the backside of Hope Pass is. Uh, But I ran him up over Hope Pass and into Outward Bound. It was the longest I'd ever run in my entire life. It was like 28 miles. And he finished 100. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. Like this community, this like watching people just vomit and rally and run and just like people that have their sights set on this one goal. And like, I just wanted to be a part of that. So I, um, I jumped right in and I, I haven't looked back and that was, that was 20. I signed up for my first, so I signed up for the whole Leadville series. So I did Man, my first real year of, of racing, but I signed up for a 50 miler, the, the, uh, the November before, and so I was in November of 2014. So we're, we're going on almost 10 years of this, uh, fun and enjoyment lifestyle of running long distances in the woods, looking for snacks.
1: So, so you went from. No, no background in endurance sports to become a lead man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I a similar mindset of like, okay, if I'm going to do a triathlon, I'm going to do an Ironman. Yeah. Um, I thought like, well, why the hell not? Like, let's just do it all. I'm in Colorado. Like, I, I I didn't have a mountain bike. i never rode mountains before. I, I grew up in Iowa. Like, We had cornfields. Like we don't have, yeah. a, uh, we don't have mountains. So I was out here and I was like, well, let's just go big. Cause I would like, I would rather fail, like spectacularly by trying something really hard that people can't totally fathom, then then do something that I know I can accomplish. Like I, I don't want to sign up for the race. I'm like, I know I can do this. That's not going to get me out of bed signing up for the thing that there's a pretty good chance I'm going to fail at. That's what gets me out of bed and trying for that and working harder for that.
0: You love that. It's, it's, it's impressive to see how much you've accomplished in really 10 years in the sport. Um, but particularly like the, the last five years you've just been on fire, man. And, uh, it's been an awesome journey to kind of watch you do that. Um, and is it possible for you to give us kind of a breakdown of what, and and I know before you've differentiated, uh, when you're talking about training, so you're training once you have a race on the calendar, you've said in the past, right. And can you differentiate, like, uh, first of all, what a week looks for you in the, an off season versus what a week of training looks like for an elite kind of, uh, ultra marathoner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think so so after my, the season's over. And so this year, my last race was back in November and I took about six weeks off of training. Now I didn't take six weeks off of running. Um, that's just six weeks off of like, if I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I just want to lay in bed and drink coffee and I don't want to go out for a run today. I'm going to allow myself to do that. Whereas training, I'm going to, push myself out of bed and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that workout. Um, so that's the difference. And so I usually take some time in the off season and, and run, you know, the, the volume decreases. And then now that I'm currently in training, it's, it's really what it looks like. And I'm a, I'm a low volume guy compared to a lot of elite marathoners or elite ultra runners, but that's where the strength comes in. I know we're going to get to that, but, um, so I train six days a week, pretty hard. Um, usually two to three days a week of either tempo or intervals of running. Um, and then the rest is very low. Like I usually try to go low end of zone two and at 10,000 feet, that's pretty hard. Um, (laughs) that's that you have to kind of humble yourself and know that I'm an elite athlete and I'm going to walk up that hill. And that's okay. Cause that's the goal is not to get faster that day. The goal is to, to, to really just keep the engine running and make it more efficient and really allow yourself to have more in the tank. So when I do throw the hammer down, like I'm going to be able to, to drain the tank and, and have a lot in it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the speed and intensity right now. It's like 80 ish miles a week. Um, I'll probably flirt with mid nineties. I, I you know, hundred is the number that everybody talks about. All oh, you hundred mile weeks—that's a—that's a kind of a fictional number. Like, who—who who really gives a crap if you hit a hundred miles? Uh, a lot of people like it. Good for them. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, my my, I can say like I ran Badwater podium. Badwater. My longest week was eighty-two miles that that summer. I ran a thirteen-hour hundred. My longest run or my longest week was seventy-nine miles that training block. You don't need these massive, massive weeks. Some people do, but I I don't. And so I supplement that with a lot of other stuff. Um, you know, if you think about you're doing 80 miles a week, it's two hours-ish, three hours, whatever it averages out to of running a day, at least 21 other hours that you can be working on getting yourself better as a runner that's not running. So um, I focus a lot on um, things like I do one really heavy lifting session a week. So we're talking, you know, like a lot of a lot of deadlifts, hex bar deadlifts is kind of my my mainstay. and um, building back up on those. A lot of other stuff there. And then uh, two other days of more body weight banded, more activation style strength that I am supplementing in with the running. So I usually do that um, a day before or even the morning of a harder session, just to make sure everything's activated, the body is warmed and primed, and all the joints are lubricated. Um, And then I'll um you know i'll work those in and then the other side of it that i do during my routine is i do mobility every morning um make sure the body's moving this is all stuff that when i was you know 10 years ago i didn't even think twice about and now it's like okay if i want to get this race car moving i need to slowly warm the engine up i need to get get the spine moving i'm going to need to get the glutes i need to get the hips moving because um if those aren't moving right it's going to be a terrible workout so so realistically i'm putting in at the end of the day like five hours a day dedicated to becoming a better athlete uh, one way or another and then there are other pieces of that too there's um i'm big on breath work and meditation um i think the the mindset of ultra running is an unbelievably important element that a lot of people neglect like you're running for 20 hours like, the mind is going to be the reason you slow down or stop. Like if you're not working that muscle, if you're not flexing it, you're not doing enough. So those are right. all things and all, all told that's like five hours a day. Keep it take.
0: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Leadville, isn't there, isn't there a quote from the race director or something like the, the toughest thing that you're going to have in the, in the, in the whole race is the six inches between your ears or something like that. Yep. Right.
2: Yeah. The, the, the toughest distance of the race is the six inches right here. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. And, and that's, that's true. It's totally true. It is. so well, true. Right?
1: And it, and I want to sit on that mindset thing for a second because you've you've accomplished some amazing feats, right? Like everyone is scared of the treadmill, but you set a record on there, right? And you've you know you have you tackled lead leadville and became a lead man on a self propelled treadmill. Yeah, oh, like not even runners. a yeah. So that's a whole different beast for people listening. Like Google a, a salt runner or go try it at your local gym and see how far you get. Um, so I want to sit there for a minute and just talk about your mindset and how you. Yeah get ready for these, uh, these races and how you kind of, you know, what does your routine look like when it gets hard and and how do you find yourself pushing through those low lows and and getting to those high highs and, and finding yourself at the end zone?
2: Yeah. It's, it's all about really coming up with different strategies. Um, and then whether that's how you focus internally, how you focus externally, what you're thinking about when, um, strategies to overcome barriers if so so i say all that but that's kind of meaningless without examples. so um external strategies like what how am i going to get my focus external so i would use this strategy if i'm just hyper focused on like ah, oh, it's like my tummy hurts or my feet hurt or like like you're clearly hyper focused internally let's change that and let's let's look externally so i'll start thinking about things like how many birds can I count this next mile, right? It sounds so silly, but it forces you to kind of look around and get outside of your head. Um, I like things like counting for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to count how many blue things that I see. Like it's not earth shattering stuff, but it's just something stupid that allows you to focus on literally anything else other than how bad your feet hurt because that's the easiest thing in the world to just focus on. And the more you focus on it, the more it's going to hurt and the more it's going to hurt, the more you're going to want to stop. And once you stop, it's harder to get started. So, okay. So let's focus on everything else but that, um, internal, uh, so things are going wrong. Let's just say you're, maybe you're running with a bunch of people and they're like, Holy crap. Like everybody's bad. People are complaining. You're hearing other people complain, like that's not a good thing. That's not a good strategy of hearing other people's pain points because then it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And this, you know, a lot of time point to point racing, that's not necessarily something that happens, but something like a backyard ultra or a track ultra where you're you're all on the, a similar space. It's just easy, even if you're in the front of the pack to get caught up in other people's misery. So something like that, I might look internally and just count my breaths and, and just see like, okay, I'm going to take some, very slow, deliberate breaths. I'm going to even box breathe or circular breathe or something, like thinking about how you're, you're managing your body during those, those moments to stop focusing on the negativity around you or to like even something as stupid as weather, right? We all hate weather when it's windy and rainy and you can't control that. You're literally all racing in it. So let's focus on me. Like, okay, um, I asked myself, hey, what is what are three things in my body that feel good right now? And it's like, okay, hey, like I'm 30 miles in and my stomach feels great. This is amazing. Like, oh, like that that Achilles issue that I've been dealing with the last three weeks hasn't bothered me yet. How cool is that? And so you're kind of finding these positive things internally. So those are those are two strategies I'll use both internally and externally um, to, to really go about my day. And then the other piece is um, visualizing overcoming your barriers. I'm really big on this. And there's, there's two pieces to this that I say is one, let's say um i don't know what's what whatever is happening in your race something is going wrong let's you just visualize it and you kind of think about yourself this is how i do it it sounds silly but i picture myself as like a like a knight in shining armor with like a big ass sword and whatever that like if it's a word or something like that i just picture myself in my head just like literally chopping the crap out of it with this big sword and then it's like yeah um that's really cool and then the final piece that i'll use a lot is actually like verbal self coaching as talking to myself out loud. So there's actually some really cool research on positive self-talk positive. We know positive self-talk is great, but if you actually speak it in a, like you are strong, you're fast, like your body hears it and interprets it as like reinforcement. If you say it as a, you thing. So not only are you saying it and believing it, but you're kind of self-coaching it as if somebody else is saying it. So it doubly reinforces it. So I'll, I'll, Going up Hope Pass is a really great example. So, there's a backside, there's a, there's a mile on the backside of uh, Hope Pass coming back up from Winfield. It's like 1,100 feet of climbing in one mile, right almost at the top. So, you're like 11,000 feet or something like that. And that is the worst mile in the entire race. I'll tell you that right now. But um, every, like, I, I coached the shit out of myself verbally and out loud there and it was like all right like you're strong like you are closer every step you take you are closer and then, like i'm sure if there are people around me they're like dude like what the hell is wrong with this dude he is like yelling at himself but um man that shit works but the key to all of this and i get i get long-winded so you guys can cut me off whenever but I, the, key to, the, the key to all of this to anybody that's going to think about these is practicing them you can't just show up on race day and be like, boom, here's my strategy. No, like go out on a run and use that. Like actually practice it. Go see, like leave your watch at home and judge your success of your run by how many birds you counted. Like that is practicing the external and I practice the in- internal and just f- see what works for you. The best thing that you can do in ultra or any race where you're up against the rivets for a long time. And if you're going for a marathon PR, even a 5k PR, like just have a bunch of arrows in your quiver that if hey man like the visualization thing didn't work at all i'm gonna try this now and one of them's bound to work eventually
1: yeah no i love that and i'm a i'm a a big proponent of uh positive self-talk like people don't realize that your tongue is a weapon right you can use it for good or you can use it for bad um and and your mind and body will follow what you tell yourself it makes me think about uh uh, two things that makes me think about, and I'll, I'll let Margo is, uh, major pain when, I don't know if y'all have ever seen major pain, but when he breaks the guy's finger who's shot and he was like, you wanna give I want to give you something to take your mind off that pain. So he gave him something else to focus on and he didn't think about being shot anymore. Uh, so that makes me think about that. And then in painting game, the Mark Wahlberg, uh, The Rock movie when they were down in Florida and Mark Wahlberg is doing his crunches. He's like, I'm big. I'm fast. I'm strong. You know, like that's one of my mantras. I like to tell myself when I'm doing that.
2: Heck yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like it comes from. There are so many different ways that you could do it. I think that you both make excellent points, Don. From a from a coaching perspective, because as you probably know, and, and all the listeners know, I, I work with a lot of endurance, basically from from five k to, to to 100 miles. So I work with a lot of endurance athletes, um, and one of the, your like hearing it come from somebody who's accomplished what you have is going to be so valuable for them. I mean, not that I haven't accomplished things in my own right, but 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 hearing you reinforce it, hearing Arthur reinforce it, it's important. Like we talk about, one, keeping the easy stuff really easy. So that's like one of the three biggest battles I fight with any athlete. And you talked about how important it is, right, about how being able to not go to the well there allows you to be really successful in, in some of the threshold or the or the yeah. interval work that you're doing. So that's really important. The strength training piece was was really crucial, but just the way that you're framing things. And then you talked about mileage, like how 100 is an arbitrary number. I have so many athletes that say, well, I want to run 100 miles a week. And I ask them why. And I challenge them. I push back on it. And they, they don't really have an answer because it's so funny. Our body doesn't know miles anyway, right? That's a man-made construct, yeah. right? We're really looking at time, time under tension, yeah. right? Time that we're testing the aerobic system. So um when, when I think we're looking at like when I'm when I'm coaching a marathoner, like obviously we're going to treat their training program like they're an elite athlete. Maybe not in the volume that they have, but we're scaling it because the best in the world do those things for a reason. And for me, it's, it's so funny because they're like, well, this guy ran 118 miles a week on average before he came in 11th place at the Boston Marathon. But like but that's not the point because like he might be running like middle of zone two stuff at 555 pace, right? Where, where this athlete might be doing the same thing at 930 pace. So, so we're almost training double the amount that they would be training if you look at it that way, right, from that perspective for that athlete. And it's some things are like you're going to have negative returns after a while. So I try to get people one into the time domain to, to kind of shut off the mileage thing because the mileage thing isn't really consequential for what we're trying to do realistically. Like it's just a, a unit that we use to measure, but time is probably a better measure. And, and I like how you kind of took the pressure off that 100-mile week thing. I think that was so important to hear. So thank you for that because that's a battle that I fight a lot.
2: Yeah, and I, I think – to kind of go back to, to where you started, this is like if people have challenges with going slow enough to be successful, right? Because you have to go slow to have more in the tank to go fast. Like it's just you can't operate in the gray area and expect to get better. You need to go slow and you need to go fast, and that's pretty much training in a nutshell. But I I will be the first person to admit I struggled with this uh, a couple years ago. I I went through um, what I would say it was like a mental a mental battle with that. Training element, and I actually had to completely deactivate my Strava because I realized like it was Strava that was causing me to think that way. Like I, I don't care. I know it's better for me training, but I was like, oh. And it was actually like right after I kind of got a little notoriety as a as a pro athlete, and, and I was like, oh man, like how embarrassing it is when I post like a ten minute mile average run on Strava, and I was like, now I look back and I'm like, man, what an idiot. That shit doesn't matter at all, but. I had to deactivate it. And so I, I will challenge anybody. Like if you're going through that and you, you don't want people to see you, just po- put it on private. I let your coach see it. Of course. Like that's the only person that should really matter other than yourself. But put it on private if you want to track it or just deactivate your Strava because, and I, and I love Strava. I think it's a great tool to connect athletes if you use it correctly, but I can tell you from firsthand experience, I used it incorrectly and it caused like imposter syndrome. It caused some mental health battles around running and not thinking I belonged. And then I just, I literally left for a little over a year before I felt like I could come back and use it the way it's intended. So I know that's a little soapbox moment, but go slow, take off your watch. If you have to, don't post it on Strava. Just tell your coach. Yeah. I ran slow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've struggled with the same thing. Right. And then also I work with a bunch of Olympians, like quite literally 1500 meter, 800 meter, you know, all the way up to the marathon, stuff like that. And so it's weird, like working with them being, and there's like, for me, I'm like, well, am I going to be judged if I'm out running like eight forties? Right. For my, for my easy stuff, because they're, they're, and a lot of them come from a time where they just used to hammer right? Like they would hammer like everything in. Um, so no, I had those, those same exact battles. And I think in some perspectives, it sounds counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive that slowing down is going to make you faster, but coming from somebody who's run you 13, 16 in the hundred mile for your dog coming from somebody who's run 13, 16. And I have a little theory, by the way, you can tell me what you think about this, but I I liken the, the, the 5k to the, to the hundred mile race for that reason. Like your equivalent in in my mind a thirteen sixteen is like running a thirteen sixteen on the track for five k. Like if you were to look Sorry. at the level, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like, I, I agree with that. I think like a fifteen, like most people are going to win a hundred mile with a fifteen hour hundred in most situations. Like at pretty local, yeah. same thing with like five k road races stuff like that. So yeah. I know it's not an exact science, but I but I so like to put yeah, that I in mean, perspective. Per-
2: perspective is is that time is still I think the seventy sixth fastest time in in history.
0: Yeah. For yeah. the distance. So <laughs> it's, it, it's take it what you will. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. So, so if, if you can do that, what pace is that? That's seven, what is that? 7.58, like
2: 57, something like that.
0: Yeah. And then you said you're doing a It's lot just not, my
2: goal was under, under eight minute pace for that race. And I, yeah. I, I ran like a nineteen forty five k at mile 96 to be able to hit that goal because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Everything hurts, and I just want to be done with this. But I want that goal so bad. I just I sold out. Like if I would have collapsed and not been able to make it at mile ninety nine, I would have been okay with it at that point.
0: Right. So I think that goes to not to belabor the point, but if if you ran a a sub twenty minute five k, like we have a lot of listeners are like, I think that's probably like their their five k race pace, right? Sub twenty minutes or or a goal for them in a lot of ways. If you ran that the ninety sixth mile of a race, like after you've already raced ninety six miles and you're running your easy runs at 830 9 minutes 10 minutes sometimes right per mile like yeah. it's safe to assume that they can also improve at those paces as well right yeah. so well
2: I, I the greatest example is kipchoge runs his easy days in like 10 minute pace like if if yeah. if that dude can do it i think <laughs> anybody can do it
0: yeah but hey as far as i know right now with all due respect uh, mr kipchoge i don't know if he's run a 5k after 96 miles so
2: uh, although, although if he did, it would probably
0: be like, it'd probably be like 1440, but yeah. pretty,
2: pretty confident he'd still be, <laughs>
0: but Hey, he hasn't done it yet. So right now, Don's the king. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, yeah. so I, I want to talk a little bit about, about the comparison thing, because I think social media, so just Strava aside, because I, that is something that I, that I struggle with, with, uh, with athletes and frankly myself. And I think Arthur probably struggles with it too. But, but if we put aside Strava, you think about something like Instagram, like a very powerful tool for connecting people like in, in a way that's how that's how we connected initially you know and yeah and it, a lot of people connect that way and there's a lot of inspiration to be gleaned from from instagram or something like that too but how do you avoid the trap uh uh the comparison trap or falling into that don
2: oh man it's so hard um yeah it's 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 something that takes work because like, it's it's really easy just to look at other people and know what they're accomplishing and then then just realizing that it doesn't matter to you at all. Right. Like what Mark, what you ran in your workout is completely meaningless to me, like different situations, different altitude, um, different events that we're training for. Why, why would I spend time doing that? And then it, and then it actually turned into a positive where it's like, holy shit, Mark, great workout. Like, good job, man. Like it actually, like I was able to flip that switch. Um, and say like, hey, I'm seeing people do cool things. I want to support them. I want to congratulate them because I want that. When I do something epic, I would love that same support. And then then you're using social media for good, right? Then you're using social media to support people that are doing positive things or doing accomplishing really impressive feats, which is really, if you take a, if you look at the running community on Instagram, it's what it should be. It's not unfortunately, but, um, it should be that right. because your Mark, your marathon time or Arthur, your Leadville time, whatever you guys get doesn't make me a better or worse athlete. Uh, right. Like it's, it's just a, it's just a data point in life of whatever. Cool. So, um, social media, if you allow it to can be terrible, but it can also be, it's an absolutely incredible tool to connect with people. Mark, like obviously you and I connected over that, just seeing some of the stuff you've been doing. And then I see your workouts. So I'm like, damn, like that dude's fast, mad respect. And that should be the end of it. Like that shouldn't be any, like, Oh, I'm, I'm a worse runner. Cause he's fast. Like that. Nah. It's like, it's so, it's, I don't know. It's so individual and it's so unique. And I, I tell, I tell everybody like the only person you should compare yourself is to yourself from yesterday. Right? Like, are you better than you were yesterday? And I don't mean faster. I think that's important, right? Like everybody thinks like, oh, to get better, I need to be faster. Um, No, like maybe you just feel better running three miles than you did yesterday or whenever you did it last, maybe you lost a pound and that took some weight off your knees. Maybe you are faster and maybe that's your better. But like, as long as you're working on getting a little bit better every day yourself, who gives a crap if other people are getting better. That's, that's amazing. Like, I I mean, I I should say I do care that other people are getting better um, because I want them to get better, but it doesn't affect if I'm getting better or not. And it certainly doesn't say anything about my skill level or my talent.
1: Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because we didn't hit on this one part that I, I, I'm i interested in hearing from you is your nutrition, right? Like, so, you know, we talked about the mindfulness aspect. We talked about, you know, your mental capacity and how you kind of break down these races and and, and have positive self-talk. But what does a week of uh, nutrition look like for you, Don?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's evolving is the best way to put it. Um, I, so I just came off of a little, almost two years of being plant-based, totally plant-based. Um, and I made that decision because I, I, I I, I follow the data and I just allow the data to tell me decisions I can make. I think sometimes as an athlete, it's so much easier to make decisions if the data tells you to do something. So I actually was, I did some blood draws and I was looking at sleep data and HRV data overnight and recovery data. And I realized the days I was eating a ton of meat, i just wasn't sleeping well and i wasn't performing well and so i i set on a journey of like okay regular blood draws go plant based don't eat meat and continue tracking that and for almost 2 years the data confirmed that that was the right decision and um up until recently that was the way i did it and i started and I should say I work with a dietician as well, um, just to make sure that like the blood draws are, 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 on track. And then recently some of the blood indicators are saying maybe some lean protein, um, animal-based lean protein back in my diet would be beneficial. So, um, I introduced turkey and chicken back in, um, I'm allergic to most seafood. So that's, uh, that's out automatically. I wish I could, I wish I could eat fish, but, um, just turkey and chicken right now. Other than that, mostly clean eating. I do, I I log almost everything I eat. Everything that goes in my body, I log. Again, I I collect data. I want to know what the data says. But realistically, the only data point that I care about every day is my protein intake. Um, Calories will work themselves out. I'm not hyper-focused on calorie counting, anything like that. But as a, you know, as a competitor that's training pretty hard, if I'm not getting a, a certain amount of protein in my diet every single day, then, you know, that's, that's the element that I could start feeling deficient and not run as well the next day. So pretty, pretty clean overall. But if I want some freaking Oreos, I'm going to eat some Oreos, right? I think, I think people get all caught up in healthy eating means like all or nothing. It's like, no, nah, like, Eat a eat a potato chip or three. Like it'll be okay. Like, don't do it every day for every meal. Yeah. Right? like, have a handful of chips when you get back from a run. And like, if that's what you want, that's great. Like, enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, like here, uh, you know, Arthur and I are probably we agree on this. That we're advocates of probably eat really well 80% of the time. Right. And, and yeah, do things 80/20. within b- yep. balance and moderation and that 80, 20 might be true for like almost all aspects of life, but, um, that's yeah. maybe a different topic, but, but definitely with nutrition, I think, um, you know, I, I think the human body is really resilient. It doesn't mean that you need to poison it and beat it down and beat yeah. it to hell all the time, uh, with, with the nutrition choice you make, but, but overall there's some wiggle room where not everything has to be perfect. Yeah. It's not bodybuilding, right? I mean, it's, yeah.
2: And, Another another thing that I always like to tell people is like everybody's unique. Don't see an influencer online that's, you know, doing one thing and all about it and think that that's going to be the thing for you. Like just try it, but be willing to be flexible and say like, "You know what? Whatever that was, keto, carnivore, vegan, uh whatever, that just did might not work for you." And so be willing to try things, and that's where I say like that's what I did. And I, I tried different things and I tried I watched the data. I, I went keto for a while just to see what happened to my body. And it just, I it was like six months and it just didn't, didn't work for me. Um, but be willing to try things, but don't take like, Oh, I worked for somebody or this dude ran a hundred miles on no calories. I can too. Um, I think that's, that's where the nutrition side starts getting dangerous. If you see people being successful, doing one thing, you expect that if you do that, you can be successful because that's everybody's so unique and individual. It's just people should be flexible with that.
1: No, absolutely, and and I th- and I think another thing I wanted to harp on too is something that we don't hear a lot of people talk about is their recovery methods after tackling uh, these big challenges and these epic adventures. So, what does you know a, a recovery session look like for you, or you know post post uh, treadmill records and and bad water yeah. podiums?
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll start. Um, I'll, I'll give you the big picture first, and then I'll get micro. So I I basically have three. Uh, three data points in recovery that I look for that like once I can say yes to all three, I, I feel like I'm recovered. And those three are um one mentally, like, do I want to train again? Am I ready to run again? Like, cause, cause realistically you should, you have to be mentally ready to train to consider yourself recovered. So that's one. The second one is physical. Of course, do I, do I feel any aches or pains? Is anything sore? Is anything tired? Um, and then the third one is the data point. Like is, is my, is my HRV is my sleep is my resting heart rate back to what they were pre event. And so those are, those are three data points that I look at before I get back to training. But, um, inside of that, I think it's, it's, it's basic principles that I think a lot of people are doing foam rolling. Nobody likes it. Everybody should do it to some degree. Um, I do a lot of mobility just to keep the joints moving. Um, I think walking is a really good element of recovery. Um, little bit of, little bit of movement, lightweights, things like that. Don't, don't totally go cold Turkey for six weeks. Uh, movement is medicine. So move, but move the body appropriately and don't overdo it. And then other things I, I love, uh, I love saunas and I tolerate ice plunges.
0: Yeah. So, sorry, I had a little bit of breakup on my end there. Did you say you tolerate ice plunges on that one? <laughs> yes. yes I, so love I,
2: I love saunas and I tolerate ice plunges. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
2: Oh man, not for
0: me. Not, uh, ice plunges aren't for me. Uh, do you have any compelling reason that that you think I should add them into my routine at all?
2: Um. So as far as physical recovery, the data suggests that it's not the best tool like immediately after a run. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the thing that everybody should be aware of, but there are some adrenaline and dopamine reactors that get triggered. The, um, the, uh, your shock proteins get fired up or your Brown fat. And honestly, for me, it's more of a mental thing. Like if I, if I go out and I sit in an ice bath for three minutes, I feel as accomplished as if I just hammered a track workout. And so it kind of gives you that little like, okay, I'm still doing hard things to, for my body. Um, and so there's, there's, there's that mental element of recovery as well that goes into, um, and then, uh realistically for me there's the the hot cold hot cold so sauna ice plunge sauna ice plunge that has some benefits if you look into what it's doing for your adrenals and flushing your adrenals um and cortisol levels as well so um i'm not a, i'm not a scientist but i've read enough to know that there's some benefits there <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like a lot of the a lot of the data that's available, right, is probably around post workout ice baths, which at one point were like the gold standard. Uh, but but now we find yeah. it's probably actually just like rice as well, like the the rest ice yeah, compress elevate. Um, so it's interesting to see how science evolves there. But no, I mean, I, I think that some of that's compelling. I like the part where you talked about it just being like doing hard stuff again, right? Because I'm I'm really big on doing hard stuff, and I think that like. Like you can only do so many track workouts in a week. You can only do so many intervals, hill repeats, or whatever it is. Um, so if that's another way that's going to probably have positive physiological benefits as well as mental benefits, then maybe it's, I'll give it a try next week. We'll, we'll, we'll go. Yeah, there. if
2: you if you wake up and the first thing you do every morning is get into thirty something degree water, I promise you you won't do anything harder for the day. Like that is the hardest thing that you just you will do that day and it's out of the way first thing like talk about accomplishment at whatever six am
0: yeah well, I, I hope you're right because of some of these emails I get and it's, it's I, I only work in shoes it's not like a medical emergency ever but man sometimes some stressful stuff so if I can uh if I can get an ice bath and that'll be the worst thing I do every day then I'm all for it that'll be
2: well and it it, great. And it forces you what I really like is it like you you can't be thinking doing other things while you're in the ice bath no. like it is like you can't be texting or like you know, fulfilling POs for, uh, for your, your running shoe companies or like, it's like, that is the thing that you are doing in that moment moment. And like, if you are not focused on that, you're out instantly. So get in there, focus on your breathing and it's, it becomes very meditative and then you get out and it's like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. But as many times as you do it, the first five or 10 seconds never gets easier. I promise you that.
0: I love that. I always try to find ways to, to mimic how I feel in the last three or five minutes of like a longer threshold run or threshold session, you know, repeats. Because like you can listen to music. You can do whatever. You can try to think about whatever. You can do the ABCs in your head. You can – nothing. Th- th- there's nothing. You can't think of anything. You're like a complete no. blank slate in the mind. And and I've always looked for ways to replicate that without without uh, completely thrashing my body. And, yeah, I, um, think,
2: I think you'll get a lot out of ice baths then, even if it's just – developing new strategies, it's like, holy crap. Like this is a great three minute strategy that I can now take to the end of that. Um, or the last one K of a five K like now you have some things that you can do that like are going to keep you from misery because if you, if you don't practice those in an ice plunge, you're getting out instantly. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, because you're, you're forcing your body into discomfort for three minutes when you're a step away from relief. And it's the same thing with, like you said, a hard threshold work. You're a step away from relief at any moment. Mm-hmm. I like, I like
0: that. It's just another, that's another arrow to add to the quiver, right? Something you can develop in that. There you go. First three or five minutes of an ice bath. So that's, so that's useful. Um, I feel I feel guilty for having on this podcast because I'm taking so much from it and uh, I'm excited about that. I do want to pivot just briefly yeah. because when I look at you, just what we've talked about in the last 40 minutes on this podcast, um, to summarize, you collect a lot of data. And you know, I talked about some of the things that are kind of probably Achilles' heels for my athletes, or things that I struggle with as a coach. And one of it is kind of information overload at times. Um, yeah. So, so you you take and tr- a lot of data, you track a lot of it. Um, how do you find the balance between tracking what's used? Because there is so much data available to us now, right? And we can't yep. micro interpret every little thing. So, how do you how do you extract what's important and make changes yeah. into your training with it without getting overwhelmed by
2: it? Yep. So I think the biggest thing that I've done in this area is, it's actually journaling before I run. And this doesn't have to be actually writing stuff down, but just mentally thinking through and what I ask myself is, what does success in today's run workout session, whatever, what does it look like? What does success look like to me? So I'm actually defining success before I go out, I'm not allowing the data to come back and tell me if I had a good workout or not. I'm going to know when I walk in the door before I look in the workout, I can tell myself realistically, it's like, was that a good workout or was it not? And then I can look at the data. So, so I think there's, there's that element of it that allows you to kind of buffer yourself a little bit from letting a spreadsheet or a graph or a chart tell you if you had a good workout or not, which is is the biggest obstacle for a lot of people. Cause all the first thing you want to do is open up Strava or open up training peaks uh, look at it and be like, okay, was this good? Was it not? Like that helps a ton. That that's been a big change for me is defining success before, after, before even thinking about the data. Um, so that's one thing. And then honestly, the best thing I've done with data is is get a coach myself. Um, so I can focus on some of the 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 easier metrics for me is just recovery and things like that. Whereas like I kind of hand over responsibilities of Getting faster to a to a coach. Like I I sometimes just want to treat my body like a NASCAR, where it's like I just want to go fast and turn left. Like I don't want to worry about like the the engine. I don't want to worry about what fuel puts in it or like what practice is. Like I just want to go fast. Um, and so having a coach that's a completely impartial third party that is looking at the data to tell me like this is good this is bad this is what we can do differently makes my life a lot easier Uh, because it is it is super easy to get um, the the old analysis or paralysis by analysis Um, like there's just so much data Um, it's, it's hard to know what to do but i would say pick a pick a metric that you want to explore and stick with that for a while don't don't do like the shiny object thing and start looking at a bunch of different metrics all the time like if you want to if you want to train by heart rate spend a lot of time in zone two and see what that does for your heart rate and your pacing and things like that and just know that hey what like oh was that rpe4 and low zone two? Oh, my my low zone two went from 10 minute pace to nine minute pace over the last six months i don't know think about it just just keep it basic don't look at every single data point because holy crap if you have like a training peaks premier membership you have so many data points that you can look at that are just like holy moly this is so much information that really doesn't matter to most people so um define success without data and then look at the data and see what's what's going on with that but keep it to to simple data uh, is my advice to anybody
0: okay i love that and then um do you still work for aura ring Right now.
2: I do not. I got laid off in October.
0: Oh, sorry. Well, sorry to hear that. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the change. So sorry for uh, putting salt in the wound there. If that was a tough time for you. No,
2: it's all good. It's actually turned into uh, one of the best, one of the best life changes that I never would have made on my own.
0: Okay, good. Good. Okay, cool. So what what I was going to talk to you next about was, was about a little bit about the sleep. Are you, are you doing anything to track your sleep still right now?
2: Yeah. So, um, I have, I wear, I wear, Every night I wear my Chorus watch, which provides sleep data. Uh, when I wake up, I take the basic metrics that shows me my waking uh breath rate, HRV, resting heart rate. And then now Chorus has a stress score. Actually uh started using a um a the Fourth Frontier makes a product that that actually has a EKG that I can actually look back at my overnight EKGs out of curiosity. I think it's overkill for 99.9% 99.9% of people but it's it's interesting it's very interesting and they have they have sleep metrics as well but i i am a very very big advocate for understanding how you sleep because how you sleep directly correlates to how you perform the next day and the next day after that and the next day after that. So, um, that is probably the single most metric that everybody should track one way or another is, um, either quantity of sleep. If you don't want to get some fancy metric, just like, Hey, how long, how long were you asleep tonight? That's probably the basic to up to an aura ring or a whoop or a chorus or a garment all have some kind of sleep metrics that you can see, Hey, like I performed like this today. I ate like this tonight and I slept like that. And that's, I mean, going back, that's kind of why I originally went plant-based. So I was tracking that data and I realized I wasn't sleeping. So um, I, I'm i a big advocate of sleep data and understanding that for everybody.
0: Good. Okay. Yeah. some useful stuff there. I appreciate that. Um, I want to talk about, and I, I know we're kind of pushing you through this here. We don't take too much of your time, but I want to talk about what are your future plans in the sport? You've had a really good 10 years in the sport, and I'm sure that you want yep. many, many more. So if you don't mind sharing with us, what's down the line for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So what you just said, many, many more is actually the reason I started adding a ton of strength training to my routine is I realized that um, if I wanted a longer career, I would, I needed to make some changes. Um, And so I actually have, I kind of made an agreement with myself is that I would rather still be running when I was 80 than to win another race ever again. And so that was kind of my agreement is like, I, I am willing to, and, and, and it's funny because the changes I made because of that agreement actually have made me faster, uh, you know, adding the strength and things like that. But everybody thinks like, Oh, you like, you're lifting heavy. You're not going to be like, no, that's, that's bullshit. Um, but I just wanted to be a strong athlete again and feel super stable. Whereas, um, I think we can all picture a, a, a lot of the runners and ultra runners that are pretty frail and maybe they don't last longer than their, their thirties. Um, I'm, I'm 38 now. Um, I actually just, I'm coming off of winning the U S 24 hour national championship back in November. And that's, that's my future in this sport. I've, I have really developed an appreciation for, I think it, it, it it takes in all these pieces that we've talked about right now and it puts them into one event and that's 24 hour racing. It's it's fixed time racing on a small, either a track or I mean, my last race was on a 0.98 mile loop. Um, you couldn't wear headphones cause it was UC, UT, uh, USATF sanctioned. Um, so it's just like you and a bunch of people running loops and the furthest distance wins. Like it's kind of my jam. I'm a better, I'm a better mental, athlete than I am a physical athlete. So if I can compete with you mentally and physically, I think I'm, I'm going to be better. And that allows me to, to extend my career too. So it's just where I'm going. So right now I am, I am training for another 24 hour race. So I have my upcoming race in June is indoor 24 hours around a 450 meter oval. And, um, again, it's indoors. So We'll see what happens. Um, the last one I did was pouring rain for like seven hours. And that wasn't a ton of fun. Then it got hot. So this is temperature controlled and light. We'll see. Um, but I want to put up it? a really big number there. So that's a, it's, it's, it's a race series called six days in the dome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I mean, know. I know the I'm, race. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's where like Zach Bitter set his uh hundred mile record. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of, a lot of big numbers have been put up there. So I, I'd like to put up a really big 24 hour number there to hit the biggest goal that I have of my next few years is to get on the, the U S 24 hour team for the 2025 world championships. Um, so that's, that's what I'm training for right now.
0: Love that. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm two days out from a six hour race right now. So I'm racing, yeah. uh, racing a six hour race in the, at a ranch in like South central Texas. Um, just and rocks, not, not a fast six hour race. Like I've run track six hour races before, but this one will be the opposite.
2: Yeah, it's just I fixed time racing is fascinating. Um, it's a different kind of pacing, it's a different kind of mentality, and you kind of have to have a lot of things going right to to have a good day. Um, because you could if you go out too slow, you might not make it. If you go out too fast, you're definitely not gonna make it. Um, six hours is even harder because it's like that middle ground. It's like, damn, like like you could hit 50 miles or you could blow up royally at 26. Right. It's like, <laughs> like yeah. what what's going to happen? Um, it's just fascinating. I love it. And then there's the other element of like, you're never out of it. Like, cause other people are going to make some mistakes too, especially when you get into the 24 hour distance. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen over a hundred miles. And my, my current goal is about 155 for my next race. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to put that out into the world, uh, and see what happens. But, uh, like from hundred to one hundred fifty-five, like that is a long time for shit to go wrong, and yeah. you know who knows who's who. Who knows who else is on the track competing at that point? Um, So it's just it's fun. Like I, I like fixed time racing.
0: I love it. You get to see what you're made of because it's it's got that every bit of that mental piece to it too. Physically, I think physically 100%. probably most people can run for three or six hours or whatever it is. But yeah, but mentally, right? Can you yeah. can you? can you keep going when it gets hard because it's ultra race, like ultra racing is easy until it's not right. Yeah. I mean like this is going to be slower than my like easy run pace at, at certain yeah. points. And it's like, you think you can do that forever, but All right, I'm gonna point, put you on the I'm
2: spot. Far. What's, what's your goal?
0: Uh, I don't know. Nobody's going to get 50 miles at this, at, at, at on this course uh, just because it's yeah. very hilly. It's rock sand and it's supposed to rain the day before. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, you know, I don't know. This is my first competitive like ultra race since 2020. Mm-hmm. Um in 2020 I ran 46 hour or 46 miles for uh for 6 hours. Um this in the middle of summer like I could have got 50 I think if I had better conditions. Yeah. Um I would love to hit 40 on this. I don't yeah. know I don't know how doable that is, but I'd be really happy though. Um if I ran between, you know, Arthur and I were talking about this earlier. I want to I want to get out of just like I'm going there to win. I want to get away from yeah. that. I want to I yeah. want to find other things that would, that would be, I guess, indicators of of my performance that aren't that don't have to do with just winning or what my physical performance is. So I want to just grow mentally. I want to grow yeah. physically from the race, but I would love to hit thirty eight or forty miles. I can't control who shows I, up. You know,
2: hundred percent. And I think but, that's 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 in a nutshell what is so great about fixed time racing is it is the ultimate you versus you. Like it is. I mean, at every other race you're going to do at some point, there's like, oh, like the lead pack went out too fast or they went out too slow and I'm still with him. And you're kind of racing, even if like nobody, nobody really races the first 10 miles of 100. But there's always like posturing. It's like, oh, I'm going to be in this group so I can stay here and whatever. But, you know, in a fixed time race, it is like, who cares if somebody gets a mile ahead of you in six hours? like you have plenty of time to make that up. It doesn't matter. And you see them the whole time for the most part. I don't know what this course is, but yeah. um, it's just a mile. Races I've it's done, a mile
0: out and back on the same road. You just go around a cone. It's on, it's on oh, like a, God. it's on a, fire
2: yeah. so, so you're going to see them at every single turn. Oh yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. It's like, like they, Oh, and then, and then there's like the blood in the water element where, you know, if, if somebody in an ultra race is five miles up on you, but they're vomiting in a bucket, you don't know that. So you're not like, you don't have that like killer mentality that you might otherwise have on a track where it's like, Oh, I know I'm five miles behind, but that dude is puking in a bucket and not moving. Like I'm going to move. Like I, you see him every three minutes now. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a different type of racing that definitely benefits athletes that are mentally stronger or at least prepared mentally for the, the monotony and the challenge of it.
0: Yeah. I think when I, when I ran 46 miles, um, You know, like part of the thing was, is I, I led from start to finish in the race and I had no, like, I I think had it been a more competitive race, I might've gotten 50 miles. Um, But it's just like, it's, it's the opposite of that blood in the water thing. Right. Because when you're 42 miles into the race and you're winning by so much, if I stopped right now, I've won this race already. And it's almost like, how do you keep going at that point? This race is going Dude, to be different. That was the same
2: experience I just had at my twenty four. When I like, I knew I had the win, and yeah. the other guy looked like crap at that point. I'm like, why am I going to kill myself? It wasn't a qualifier yet for the right. U.S. team. Like, I just, I'm going to sail it in. So I walked when I really shouldn't have or didn't need to because I yeah. didn't have that. Like, I, I knew I had the win locked up. Like, it just yeah. Looking back
0: on it, I wish I would have like kept pushing. But it's it's easy to say that in the same. comfort of this desk chair. Versus when you're when you're right. in the middle of July out in the elements uh, running around a, tr- you know a rubber track, so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I guess more or less my goal is to really just get the most out of myself on the day, whatever that looks like, and control the controllables. Do what I can do. I loved what you talked about on one podcast. You talked about um, having people who who are important to you each maybe suggest a song and you can kind of draw from that. Um, And so I I thought about that. So if I do switch to headphones, I thought about getting songs together from like the the closest and most important people in my life to kind of push me through the end of that. So thank you for that. And um, that's a tactic that I, that I might use. Um, We do need to wrap this up. So I do have one more thing that I want to get to, Um, you know, you've, you've had an immense career already and I know you're nowhere near done, but in this past 10 years, what would you kind of reflect on or, or what takeaways do you have? Like what is it that sticks out the most to you? Like maybe of mistakes you've made or, or, or things that you've done that you look back on now and, and would do differently. I yeah.
2: Guess. I think when I, so I, I got into the sport not to ever be competitive, right? Like I just did it to be outside and do something. And then, I made the mistake once I started getting competitive of forgetting of why I got into the support in, in into the sport and to be outside. And I just, I put my head down and I ran and I, like, I look back on a lot of like amazing races that I participated in. And I, I don't remember anything from the race. Like I, I, I was so focused on the singular goal of running fast or going X, Y, and Z. Like I just, I, I lost some of the beauty of these incredible places that I've ended up in my life. So, um, that is something that I have in the last couple of years refocused on. Um, and actually went through, um, a time where I, I had to go away from having a coach and I just needed to be outside again. And that actually was kind of the catalyst to the last couple of years of, of some of the things I've accomplished uh, because I, I, was at some point running for results and a coach and not for me anymore. And I just, I was like, I can't, this is not why I want to do this. So I think the most important thing that I've rediscovered in my 10 years is, is getting back to my why and why I got into running and why I go outside every day and, and, and what I want to get out of it. And this goes in hand with the agreement I made. Like I would rather run when I'm 80, then win another race. And I, I, I say that a hundred percent truthfully and sincerely that like winning winning's neat. Don't get me wrong. I love to win. I'd love to win more races, but I would rather continue this sport because of the joy that it brings me and the mental peace and calm that it brings me. And for a while in my career, I forgot that. So, um, I think, you know, how I say that to me and then my challenge to anybody is just like, think about why you got into the sport of running and, think about why you do it and make sure it's for the right reasons and it's for you. And, um, and this also goes back to the Strava conversation too, is like that, that shit doesn't matter. What matters is that you found something you enjoy and it gets you outside and it keeps you healthy and, uh, hopefully keeps you young.
1: That's, that's a really good way uh, to spin that down. I like that a lot. And you, you also host your own interview series, right? If you want to kind of shed some light and talk about that for a second.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I have a, I have a goofy little interview series called, uh, uh, tiny bench, big questions that kind of started as a joke, but it's turned into a little something where I travel around with this, uh, this little tiny little bench and sit really intimately close to cool people and ask them, uh, no fluff questions, just really big of like, like things like, Hey man, you DNF'd your race. What happened and why? <laughs> Uh, we just jump right in. So, um, yeah, that's on my Instagram and, and, uh, and on my YouTube. Uh, but I just, at the end of the day, like whether it's that series or anything like that, I just love talking to people that are interested in bettering themselves and, and running and fitness or whatever that looks like. And, um, that was kind of my excuse to be able to say like, Hey person, sit down with me for a minute and, uh, have a conversation with me. I'll put it on YouTube. People seem to like that, but, um, that's, that's just in a nutshell, the joy that I get out of this industry and this sport and kind of what, what we're doing and why the, you know, the three of us could probably sit on this call for the next three hours and and not have a problem talking is just, it's, it's fun. It's, it's such a joy for me.
1: No, for um, sure. And I love it. Yeah. I've checked out a few. Other, I think I saw you at TRE now that we're talking. Um, were you, were you at TRE this year?
2: I uh, was, yeah. The place was there too. Yeah.
1: yeah okay. Walked, it was a I lot going on. With we, yeah. You know, yeah. How, you know, the place is it's crazy. So I think oh, we walked bad. past each other and I was like, I think I've never no- oh, seen them before. That's all right. Well,
2: we'll have to connect soon. I, I got to get I both been. of you on the tiny bench.
1: Oh yeah. You think you can
0: put
2: us both on there at the same time? Oh, <laughs> I mean, not all three of us, but I mean, I'll, I'll interview you both at some point this year.
0: Oh man. Yeah. No, Don and I've been playing like tag back and forth at TRE for like the last three years. I feel like so. It's something
2: been- like that. Like, Oh man, let's meet up and I'll go to the booth. And then he's, you know, like, client meetings or something. So it's, it's, yeah. it's TRE though. That's, that's yeah. the joy of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my coworker, my coworker was like, Don came over here looking for you. He's like, that guy's like my hero. And I was like, and I didn't, I didn't know you were at TRE at that point. And I was like, I was like, Oh really? I was like, I didn't know he was over here. And then I tried to find him the rest of TRE and I couldn't find you. That was last year. And I was like, or two years ago. And I was like, ah, man. So I'm happy that we got to, like
2: that's, that show is so tough to even make it like aisle to aisle without, have you been in the industry? I've been in the, industry. I started in the outdoor running industry, um, working for, for Newton running back in 2012. So it's been you know twelve years that I've somehow, one way or another, been affiliated directly with TRE. And like I can't make it an aisle in TRE without somebody <laughs> flagging me down. And then it's like 25 minutes later be like, Hey, I stole this other guy I'd be there an hour ago. I gotta go. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's overstimulating. I think uh twenty twenty four is the last year in Austin for a while. Um, and then they're I think they're going either to North Carolina or to San Antonio um oh no kidding they're demolishing the uh after the after the event this year they're demolishing the expo center in austin to rebuild it i believe i know a
2: few years ago they it was in orlando because of like a tractor show is in john deere there's it's this year again
0: so (laughs) tre is a week earlier this year because john deere's got it got it locked up in austin this year must be a big draw i don't know but um i grew up
2: i grew up like Five miles from where John Deere was born. No big deal. That's Iowa. Hey,
0: be, I got one more question for you before you go. Um, well, two more questions. The first question is, who has okay. better corn, Iowa or Nebraska? Iowa, of course. Okay. But, uh, okay. I yeah. expected I expected that would be the answer. Uh, better football program, too. Uh, you know, yes. Iowa's much better than Nebraska. Um, okay. And then the last thing is, where can anybody listening today, where can they find you if they don't follow you already?
2: Yeah, it's it's at Ramadan on your platform of choice um, is the easiest way. Um, I'm also like, and I and I and I say this in sincerity as well is like if you have questions or anything, um, shoot me a DM. Uh, like I I genuinely love connecting with people that have curiosity about anything. So like it's it's a joy for me to, to, to talk to people and, and to connect. So um, if, if you're listening to this and have questions, shoot me a DM, run with Don at Gmail, like wherever your platform of choice is, find me there and, and start a conversation. I, I I'll enjoy it as much as anybody else.
0: Love that. Well, Don, thank you. This has been so insightful. Um, I know I've learned a hell of a lot from this myself. And uh, I, I'm, I think Arthur and I are both grateful that you could join us today and, and we really
1: appreciate it.
2: Yeah okay, guys. Well let's uh let's do it again soon. This has been awesome. I love this stuff.
1: Absolutely, Don. Appreciate your time, man. Until next time,
0: Thanks. everybody. Stay strong.